Weekday mornings from 10 till 12. This is KCLR Live. Yes, hello, good morning and welcome along to another week. Monday, the 21st of August. It seems like most people I've spoken to, in fact, everybody I've spoken to so far this morning had an absolutely fabulous weekend. I did too. I hope you did also. It was a great weekend weather-wise. Well, it was a good weekend weather-wise, but certainly much better than all those we've experienced recently. I hope you managed to get an opportunity to get out and enjoy it. Phone lines are open as always this morning. You can free phone the show on 1800 90 96 96. All the team are ready, waiting to answer your calls. You can text us on our Dinner's Ready text and WhatsApp line 083 306 9696. And Ethnic Work is ready to check on your email correspondence on 083 306 9696 or email us KCLR live at kclr96fm.com. Well, the Rose of Tralee Festival is uh, about to move from something that can only be enjoyed by those on-site in Tralee into a nationwide TV extravaganza this evening, our very own Molly Coogan, the current Kilkenny Rose, not competing this year because um, the cycle suggests that there's no Kilkenny Rose involved this year, but she is involved. She's down there. She's been talking to people live all weekend. We spoke to her on Friday and asked her to keep her uh, voice in check and ready for us for Monday morning. She'll be joining us live um, a little bit later on in the show this morning, but we'll be also hearing from her as she got some of the sounds of that Rose Festival in just a couple of moments' time. Willie Butler, he's with us around about 20 past 10 because as the head coach of the 3rd Battalion Army Boxing Team, he's preparing for a charity event in Killen Hill this Saturday evening. Um, tragic events in Yall just over the weekend at the triathlon, the loss of two people's lives and Mooney from the Irish Sun uh, was in Yall yesterday. She'll be joining us about 10.30 this morning and we'll be talking fubbing with uh, Audrey Casey, relationship and sex therapist. Now, don't panic. It's not uh, some new sex trend, but we will be finding out exactly what fubbing is and how it's maybe something more of us are engaging in than we think. 083 306 9696. Maybe you already know what fubbing is and you've got comment or opinion on uh, how it's affecting your life. But if you don't know, don't worry, we'll be telling you. Somebody who's joining us to tell us all about the uh, Hurling for Cancer research charity match taking place this evening. Robbie Dowling from KCLR's scoreline team. He'll be here just before 11. We've got that and lots more besides. On the musical side of things, Niall Horan is here with Heaven. And it's 10 years since Hosier asked us all to take him to church. Well, we'll be having a little play of that at some point this morning. But now at nearly 10 minutes past 10, I'm going to try and get your week off to a great start. Yes, our mystery sound continues. It's up to 200 euros this week. We didn't manage to give it away last week. All brought to you by La Hertz. The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hertz Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahertz.ie. Okay, so if you've never heard this before, it is a sound. It's a mystery sound in terms of the fact there's probably only two people in the whole building that know what this sound is. And it's your job to join that club of two, identify the sound and text us or WhatsApp us the answer. You can do that on the Dinner's Ready text and WhatsApp line 083 306 9696. I'll give you a couple of plays of it because it is very, very short. Have a listen to this. That's it. If you can tell me what that is, 083 306 9696. 
and €200 Euros will be yours. The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hertz Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahertz.ie. Now, we mentioned Rose of Tralee, and on Friday, not just did we speak to our current reigning Kilkenny Rose, Molly Coogan, as she got ready to go down and enjoy all the fun of the Rose Festival. We also spoke to our own Carla, Carla Rose taking part this weekend. We'll be hearing more about all of the festival live this morning as they ramp up and get ready for the first of the live TV extravaganzas. But uh, Molly has been working hard all weekend. I'm sure she's been enjoying herself now and then as well. Um, but she's been speaking to a number of different people down at that Rose Festival. Um, in a couple of moments' time, you'll hear her talking to Kira Deering. Now, Kira is Quiva Deering's mother. Quiva, of course, our representative, our Carla representative in the Rose Festival. Also down there, um, getting ready to support Quiva, is Andrea Dalton Kirlock of Carlow County Council. Let's hear how Molly got on over the weekend in Tralee. Now it is Saturday afternoon and I'm here outside Paddy Max pub, which is the pub that is twinned with the lovely Carla Rose Quiva Deering this year. I'm here with the mammy of the Carla Rose, Kira. Kira, how are you feeling? We're so excited. Um, we can't wait. This festival is just amazing. Um, so we came down yesterday and um, everybody, it's, it's just amazing. I, I don't like using the word amazing too much, but it's just amazing. We should have some way to describe it, absolutely. And it's like you've brought half of Carlo down with you. There's a great crowd here anyway. They're all coming in dribs and drabs now over the next few days. So my parents and my sister, sister-in-law and all the kids came down today. Uh, my parents-in-law, sister-in-law, they're coming tomorrow and loads of friends and neighbours are coming as well over, from today over the next few days. It's so great that you have so much support. And I mean, the parade is on this evening. I'm sure I can see there are banners here up in the pub. There's Pequiva's faces everywhere. So I'm sure you have more banners ready to go for tonight. Absolutely, we have. We were so lucky. Um, Paul Dargan um, was so good and he designed and made signs oh, for fantastic. us. Yeah, so they're all down here in Tralee with us. And also a big shout out to Raffili under 12 girls who Quiva uh, coaches and manages all her banners that they made her when uh, she became the Carlo Rose. I've brought them with me. So they are going to be with us on Monday night and Tuesday night as well. So girls, watch out on the telly for your banners. They'll be well represented anyway. They're here with her, of course, because she's so big into the GAA, Quiva. You must be so proud of her. She, she really is. She's just a super, super girl. So kind. She really is. I get a bit emotional now. Sorry. Um, but she just is. And we just love her very much. You're so proud. As you should be, she's a fantastic representative of Carlo, representative of her family and her friends, and of course herself. I can't wait to see her on Monday or Tuesday night. I don't know if you know yet what night she's going to be on. But she would have met her rosebud and her escort yesterday. How's that been? They are two really, really like lovely people as well. So uh, Abby is into GAA as well, like Quiva, and she's into her pets as well, like Quiva. So they're a great match. And then um, Chimmy is a secondary school teacher as well, like Quiva. So the three of them had just gelled now so, so well. And um, it's brilliant. And it was brilliant to meet them and to meet Abby's family as well. It's just so nice. It's Fantastic. And they have loads in common. And I'm sure if it is Dahi she's talking to, she'll have loads of GAA in common and they'll have a bit of a laugh and if it's Catherine she's a Carlo woman as well so either way she's lucky I'd say absolutely yeah win-win all around so we're just so looking forward to it now we can't believe 
like it's here now at this stage you know since the Carlo Rose selection night um, but it's here now and roll on Monday night and Tuesday night and what you see with Quiva is what you get she's just herself and we're so proud of her and we just wish her the very very best of luck and I know all of Carlo the support that she has got from Carlo just from shops from services just uh, people coming up to her in the street the sponsorship she got just we just we'll never be able to thank people enough they are just so 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 kind and we're so grateful and Quiva is so so I'm speaking for Quiva when I'm saying this she is just so grateful she can't believe the way everybody just got behind her and because she's not from Carlow Town she's from Raffilly um, and it's just super the way everybody just rolled in behind her and um, so hopefully now she'll do us all proud on stage now I'm here with Andrea Dalton, the Cahirlock of Carlow County Council, who has come down to show her support for our lovely Carlow Rose. When did you arrive down to Tralee? I'm just after arriving in the, maybe the last hour or so, um, so I'm delighted to hear, be here to support Quiva. She's a fantastic young lady, a great ambassador for Carlow. She's a beautiful girl inside and out. Um, I know her since she was born. My sister-in-law is her auntie, so she, she's my kid's cousin's cousin, so she, we're like part of the family, so it's, it's my great honour to be here, support her in Tralee today, and we hope she goes all the way. Don't we all? We do, and Casey Laura as well, of course. She's a fantastic representative, as you said, and it's so great to see how the county of Carlow have got behind her, and there's so many people here to support her. Yeah, Quiva be well known. She's a great footballer, you know, and she refs, and she's great. She's a great ambassador for uh, ladies football in Carlow as well. My daughter plays, and we'd often have uh, Quiva as a ref as well. So she's a great ambassador in every way. She's a secondary school teacher. She's an all-round lovely, a lovely girl, and uh, we've high hopes for her here in Tralee this weekend. She's definitely a great ambassador for young people. She'd work with so many young people and for women in sport, of course. And that's very topical, very relevant at the moment. Yeah, it's huge. And, you know, it's it's great to see so many uh, women participating in sport. There was a great turnout there at the All Ladies All-Ireland Final. And there was loads of buses of young girls that went up from Carlow as well. So when you have someone like Quiva promoting sports like that, all it can do is increase the participation. And it, it's really important for teenage girls, I suppose, to stay in sport. Because as, as I suppose, the nails and the tans... And all that come in, uh, teenage girls seem to drop out of sport. So anything we can show with Quiva that you can you can be a beautiful young lady, be stylish, and you can still you can still play your football to the highest level. So uh, Quiva will be a great ambassador and um, great for great for promoting Gaelic games and all and participation in sport for girls. Is this your first time at the Rose of Tralee? It is my very first time at the Rose of Tralee. We always used to come on holidays to, uh, to Kerry, to Castle Gregory, which is probably about 15 minutes past Tralee, and we were always around at this time, but it was my first time ever in at, at it. And I'm, I'm delighted to be here. We'd be here till Tuesday, so um, I'd say it'll be a, a long few days, but it'll be great days of celebration and family and celebration of all that's good in Carlow, um, which is embodied in Quiva. She's a, she's a great girl altogether. Um, my name is Oella O'Connor and I live in Chile. Fab Orlan, I know you're nine years old, you're from Chile, you've been to the Rose of Chile loads of times, but last year you were actually the Kilkenny Rosebud, even though you're from Chile, you're my Rosebud, and we had a great time, we had great fun. And we're actually here in Kerry Library in the exhibition for the Rose of Chile because your dress and your sash are here. That must be really exciting, is it? Is everyone telling you that they've seen your sash? Yeah, everyone has sended pictures onto my mom, and we've been looking at them. Did you have a favourite part of the whole Rosebud experience? Yeah, I, um, my favourite part was the disco. The disco, so the very first day when all the roses and escorts arrived, there was a big disco in the Netherlands, the dancing. That was your favourite part? Yeah, that was my favourite part. And are you going back to the Rose of Tralee this year? Will you be at the parade or the TV nights or anything? Um, I'm, at, I'm going to the parade today. Do you have a rose that you're supporting this year, or are you supporting them all? 
Um, I'm supporting the Sydney one. Good choice. I know the Sydney Rose, Aoife, she's lovely. So after being a Rose bud and you had so much fun last year, do you think in a couple of years you'll go for the Rose, to be the Kerry Rose? Yeah, definitely. Molly Coogan reporting live from Tralee over the week during the fun of the festival ahead of the live television shows tonight and tomorrow night. Co-hosted for the first time, a female on stage, Carlo's own Catherine Thomas joining Dohi O'Shea um, to keep us up to date and to actually help us meet all of the roses. And uh, later on this morning, we'll be chatting again live to, to Molly. Um, she was talking, managed to catch up with the Carla Rose Quivadeering um, a little bit earlier this morning. You'll be telling us how the nerves are and everything else and representing the people of Carlo down at the festival, Councillor Andrea Dalton. They'll be both joining us live on the show um, approximately around about, uh, about half past 11 this morning. So do stay tuned for that. Coming up in just a few moments' time, we'll be talking about a charity event coming your way this weekend from Killian Hill. Uh, Willie Butler, he's the head coach of the 3rd Battalion Army Boxing Team. What's it all about? How's preparation going? And lots more besides. One little bit of news. I heard it this morning on a couple of places. We had it on the news here at KCLR. If you hadn't heard, good news for energy um, purchasers, which is our, us all, but predominantly households, because you'll be aware of a company called Prepay Power. Um, they offer prepaid options on energy. Well, they're announcing... Da, 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 da. They've got a new sort of side company, I suppose is how you describe it. It's called Uno Energy. It's actually spelled Y-U-N-O, if you wanted to actually go and research it and have a look. But it's uh, pronounced Uno. It says that they've got a product that could save customers over €500 Euros a year on their electricity bills. The CEO of Uno Energy, uh, Carl Fay, said that uh, anybody who hasn't switched supplier in the last 12 months can make great savings. It's, it's a pre, sort of a prepaid option, pre-build option, I think is the best way to describe it. Um, but talking about fantastic rates on energy. You are somebody, like many people who hasn't switched their energy provider at all recently, that might be something for you to consider. 20 past 10, do stay with us here on KCLR Live. I'll bring you some of the incorrect guesses that we've had on our mystery sound straight after this break. KCLR Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweat pants and into style see fairgreen.ie Carlo Kilkenny KCLR You're welcome back to KCLR Live 22 minutes past 10 o'clock keep those guesses coming in for the mystery sound just to give you a bit of a ballpark of what people are thinking in that regard Bernie Shepherd, um, who's in Burns Grove in Kilkenny thinks it might be a basketball going into a hoop it's not unfortunately Bernie and Jim Lines good morning to Jim I hope you're keeping well he's on the green road in Carlo he thinks it might be a car bonnet closing it is neither of those things I will play it for you a little bit later on again this morning so do keep your ears tuned it's worth 200 euros and what a way to start a week that would be well a great night of boxing is going to be on show uh, for your viewing pleasure as the 3rd Battalion Army Boxing Team face off against the Irish Prison Service Boxing Team and a team of uh, guards with all the proceeds going to As I Am. It's an autism charity and uh, bragging rights on the night, of course, will be a big thing as well. Joining us on the phone now to tell us all about it and how preparations for the event are going, Willie Butler, head coach of the 3rd Battalion Army Boxing Team. You're very welcome to KCLR Live. 
Uh, hi, Brendan. How are you? Great. Thank you very much. Well, first of all, um, tell me about the event and why you've selected As I Am as the charity that you wanted to support. Um, yeah, so, look, we just, we were chatting there. There was another lad, um, Derek Eilish, from the Irish Prison Service, the, the boxing team. And, uh, look, just with autism, uh, one in two or one in three people, somebody always has it. Um, so we just felt like it was a great charity to pick for. And that was the, the reason for it. I mean, autism obviously affecting so many people across the country. It's, it seems to be, it's hard to know medically, but I mean, it, it certainly seems to be on, on the increase. Do you think that's a result of more people being diagnosed correctly with it? Or do you I, actually... I, I would think that. I would think um, probably definitely since, you know, medicine has got better in the last, what, 10, 15 years that people have just been diagnosed with it, like, I would imagine down the line here, a few years back, well, before the medicine, that people would have had it, but didn't know that they had it. Yeah, yeah. And tell me also about the boxing club, because it's the combination of these two things, the actual boxing club coming together to raise money for the charity. We know, obviously, boxing has been a huge part of army life uh, for years. Um, were you involved in boxing before you got involved in the coaching of the 3rd Battalion Army Boxing Team? Yeah, so um, I when I was younger... I started boxing at, what, nine years of age with Marble City Boxing Club. It's in Kilkenny there. Um, I boxed for about 10 years, started coaching at 19, and I haven't really looked back. Ended up joining the Army six years ago, and it just kind of, everything kind of fell into place. And is that a big part of your day? Are you still in the Army? Would you spend a lot of time coaching, or would you spend a, a, a multi out on guard duty and the like? Um, yeah, no, I'm still in. I'm still in the job. Um, yeah, look, it's still do your guard duties and all your oper- and all our operational um, needs. But yeah, look, I'd have two or three days a week there where I just take the, the boxing team and we'll do three sessions a week. Okay, so bring us to this event. I mean, the event is taking place, as we said, in Killian Hill. Um, do the guards, for example, and the prison service also have their own boxing teams? Um, the prison service, yeah, we are. That's the team that we're boxing. Uh, Saturday night it is their own boxing team um, the guards I'm, I think they have their own boxing team but I, they're, it's not their boxing team that we're boxing on Saturday it's um, guards from Kilkenny Guard Station and guards from Waterford Guard Station now That sounds like the, you've probably got a bit of an advantage I mean with the prison service and the army all having their own boxing teams and it sounds like you've just got a number of guards going along um, who do you think are favourites to win on the night Willie? I look. I'll be a bit biased and say the third battalion, um, <laughs> but look, I don't know. It's, it's it's one of those you never really know who turns up on the night or you know how people react. Well, I can tell There'll you that a lot of nervous energy. You know, it's, it's look as I said, it's it is the third battalion boxing team, but it, the majority of them haven't had a fight because. That- uh, the majority of the, the battalion team haven't actually had like let's call it a semi-professional fight. Yeah. Um, just with look because you know before COVID I had a good team and then you know COVID kind of stopped everything and so I'm only after coming back there in the last year or so trying to get bodies back into it Mm. you know for two years there was really nothing so yeah the the majority that are watching for the third battalion had a fight and Willie who do you think would present the biggest challenge is it the prison service or the guards Um, well we boxed it was 10 years ago since we boxed the guards and that was up in Old Auckland and that was a good night I think we actually won that one uh, 11 fights to 12 so it was close and 
then we bought the prison service three years ago. It actually was the first show there. It was the last show before COVID, I think. We, every, everything closed down a week later, and we ended up losing that uh, eight fights to five. So, it's look, it's hard to know. I would say the way it's worked is probably the prison service, because I think we have more fights with the prison service on the night than the guards. Mm. Sounds like it's going to be a close event, though, in terms of the uh, in-ring activities. Um, uh, how much money are you hoping to raise? Um, I'm hoping to raise, look, I'm hoping to raise about 10,000. 10,000 euros. That'll make a huge difference to that As I Am charity, yeah. won't it? Yes. Um, look, the, the venue holds 100 people. Um, I obviously print out uh, there's 500 tickets. There's not many left. Um, of higher copies that I have I think there's about 400 of them gone Okay, so get uh, the tickets know, and how can uh, people get their hands on those remaining tickets Willie? So they can go on eventbrite.ie and if you type in fight the services or a ticket hashtag to any event it'll come up and then you just go in you'll get the ticket and it's an e-ticket delivery and obviously look I know for technology for some people it's not there, that's fine, there will be tickets available on the night, on the door and it will be only time accepted on the door for a ticket. Well, it sounds like it'll be a fabulous event. Doors are opening at 6 o'clock. Uh, the parade walk is at 7 on Saturday night in Killian yes. Hill, the hub. Uh, Willie, you'll have to come back in maybe next week and on the phone, hopefully not too bad at a bruise, and let us know how the whole night gone. Uh, you're obviously rooting for the 3rd Battalion Army team, but it sounds like it's going to be a close event. Um, good luck to everybody take apart. I hope you raise a fabulous amount of money. And as I said, if anybody is looking for tickets, tickets are still available. Doors open at 6 o'clock, and you can get those tickets on Eventbrite. Willie Butler, head coach of the 3rd Battalion Army Boxing Team. Thank you for joining us this morning on KCLR Live. Now, tragedy struck uh, in Yowell when two men taking part in an Ironman event in County Cork yesterday. Uh, They've been named as 65-year-old Ivan Chittenden from Toronto in Canada, who was holiday in Ireland when he decided to take part in the event. And indeed, secondly, Brendan Wall, aged 44, was originally from County Mead, but living in Solihull in the UK. Um, somebody who was in Yol uh, yesterday, Anne Mooney from the Irish Sun, joins us this morning to tell us um, how the atmosphere was yesterday. Good morning, Anne. Morning. Um, First of all, thanks for taking the yeah. time to join us this morning on the show. Um, tragic events. How did it unfold yesterday in Yol? Um, well, I understand that um, the, the swimmers went out very early and at about 8 a.m., um, uh, Ivan, um, who is from Toronto, um, was entering the water when he appeared to um, take ill and uh, collapsed. And he was retrieved from the water and brought ashore. And um, despite uh, the efforts of paramedics and, and other people, uh, he was pronounced dead at the scene. Um, the second man, Brendan Wall, who is originally from County Meath, um, was had had was well out in the uh, in the sea um, when it appears that uh, he got into difficulties. Um, again, we're unsure until the post mortem results um, or until the post mortems are completed in Cork University Hospital today as to whether his was a medical episode and uh, or a drowning. Um, but unfortunately, uh, both men were pronounced dead at this um, at, on the shore, and were taken to a temporary morgue and transferred to Cork University Hospital. Um, 
the 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 the, the whole obviously um this is a major international event um which is attended by um athletes um triathlon athletes from all over the world um and this one uh, attracted uh, about 2000 competitors um they have an ironman 70.3 which is um which is a major event which has um points qualifying places 110 qualifying places for world championships in Hawaii and New Zealand so obviously they travel from all over the world and uh, this one was no different because um, there were huge numbers the, the, the contestants represented 62 nationalities um, and including um, our two friends from from abroad um, people were stunned they were shocked um, as the word started to get through go through the town um, I spoke to a number of the of the the, the athletes who had finished um, the 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 half mar the half marathon stage of it, um, and they were stunned. They only discovered it uh, when they finished um, the event. That tragedy had unfolded while they were participating. Yeah, I mean it's it the the atmosphere. Um must have been quite dark, obviously very dark and very sombre as the event came to a close. Um, are you aware, Anne, was there any consideration given as the news came in of these two uh, tragic deaths um, to the cancellation of the event? We know the event continued in its entirety, that the, that the uh, Mayor of Cork indeed was one of the presentation party that presented medals um, at the end of the event. Uh, how tough a decision was that for the event organisers to continue with the event? <laughs> You know, I, I actually don't think that the organisers had any other option but to continue it because if you think of it um, logistically, um, how do you call back uh, up to 2,000 um, athletes who are participating in different events? You know, some of them would have been doing the swim, some of them would have been cycling, some of them would have been running. Um, and logistically for them to cancel it, um, I think would have been impossible. I also think that probably consideration was given to the fact that so many of these had travelled from so far abroad um, and that um, you know that they would have um, this isn't unusual actually that, mm. that people do these events because we were I was speaking to some, some of the athletes who had said that there had been a previous one where uh, a woman had died in France in one of them um, there was also deaths at, uh, at one in Hamburg um, you know so so these happen um, but as far as the organisers are concerned I actually don't think that logistically it would have been possible for them to cancel it um, and I also think that the two athletes that died would have wanted it to go ahead I mean it's a, they were it's a huge physical challenge I mean you're talking about in normal circumstances 3. Point, I think it's 3.9 kilometres uh, kilometre swim was shortened yesterday obviously given the sea conditions 108 4.8 is it sorry I missed you it broke, broke up there a little One. bit and Sorry, 1.8, yes, 1.7 yesterday. That's right, so it was shortened Hello. yesterday and obviously they had uh, normally a 180 kilometre uh, bike ride and a full marathon as well. It's a huge ch challenge on the body. Um, you know, the contestants, for example, sign disclaimers before they take part. But was there any sense before the event actually started yesterday, even amongst the competitors, that these particular sea conditions looked particularly challenging? 
Um, I, I, you see, I don't know because um, this the people that I spoke to seem to regard it as par for the course that they will always encounter some some difficulty, uh, difficult um, stages in these events, and that the seas being rough wouldn't have been unusual for them. But I think that what was unusual was that there was talk that um, earlier. Uh, the, this this swim event was going to be held within the inner harbour, which would have been less um, choppy. Um, and I spoke to one one triathlete who said that um, he was out there. He that the sea was very rough. The waves were coming against them as they swam out, um, and they were swimming out at an angle out to a boy, a, um, an orange boy where they turned and he said coming back then obviously with the waves with them it was it was easier but he's he described it as extremely difficult and extremely tough um so you know i don't know what goes on in the minds of organizers and what mm. they what, what think but um but i i certainly don't think that the cancelling it would have been an option yeah, one of the deceased, Brenda Wall, um, aged 44, was originally from County Mead, living in Solihull in the UK. And we understand that, that he travelled specifically from the UK to take part in this event. But also reports coming in that the, the, the older man who passed away, 65-year-old Ivan Chittenden from Toronto in Canada, was simply holiday-making here in Ireland and decided to take part in the event. Do we know anything of who Ivan may have been tra- travelling no. with? Had he got family with him? Sorry, um, no, he... He came over with a number of friends and was staying locally um, in one of the hotels within the East Cork area. Um, and he was a very dedicated marathon runner and triathlete um, who would, who, whom, as far as I know, came over with his, with um, I think about five of his friends, um, specifically to enter and and participate in this event. Okay, so conflicting reports from different news outlets this morning. Some saying he may have no, been a holiday no, no. maker, but um, you're that saying he was that actually that wouldn't be something that you would that you would just sort of come on holidays and decide. Oh gosh, this triathlete, <laughs> job, yeah, triathlete job. Um, I'll just participate in it. I mean, these take planning. They have to bring their bikes. They have to bring their gear. They have to bring, you know, they have to 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 get their mindset right. Um, they have to be capable of actually doing it. So in, in terms of the people that do these, they're hardcore athletes. This is the, one of the toughest athletic events in the world. Um, and it's not just something that you would throw your hat into the ring and say, oh, yeah, gosh, that's on down, y'all. I'll pop down and, and do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And any finally, um, idea as to uh, the types of investigations that will take place now? Obviously, the organisers will be um, seriously looking at what happened in, in terms of the event itself. Um, anything further in terms of those investigations? Oh, I, I think there'll be major investigations into this one. Um, certainly the Mayor of uh, Cork County Council, who were one of the main sponsors of the event, um, Frank O'Flynn, um, has announced that uh, he will be seeking a full investigation by the Council into uh, what happened and how it happened. Um, and I, I expect that Triathlon Ireland, even though they haven't been saying very much at the moment, um, will also be conducting their own um, their own investigation, as I would expect the International Triathlon Association to do as well.
Well, Anne Mooney um, from the Irish Sun reporting on conditions that occurred yesterday in Yall in County Cork. Thanks for joining us on the show this morning. Tragic, tragic um, incident occurring over the weekend. And we're also extremely mindful of the fact that there are also two local families that suffered similar tragedies in just uh, recent days and weeks. And we're thinking of of those, um, indeed anybody who's lost any loved one uh, to drowning or similar sorts of conditions. Just coming up on 20 to 11 here on KCLR Live, um, we'll be back with you in just a moment. KCL or Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. Yes, 18 minutes to 11 o'clock this Monday morning, the 21st of August. Our dinner's ready. Text and WhatsApp lines are open to you. 083 306 9696. And you may want to use them over the next few minutes because at the top of the show, I told you that we'd be talking to Audrey Casey. Audrey, for those of you that don't know, is a relationship and sex therapist um, with Sex Therapy Solutions. And I, I mentioned that we would be talking about fubbing. Now, don't panic. This is not one of those segments where you need to uh, make sure there are no little ears in the room. But Audrey, what is fubbing? Good morning, Ryan. Yes, what is fubbing? So it's uh, basically when you are snubbing your partner with your phone and it's no exaggeration to state that like phone use comes up in every single couple's initial therapy session as a bone of contention. Every single one without, without fail. It's that prevalent now, is it? Oh, it's that prevalent because it's, you know, it's like a third wheel in the relationship for some couples and it causes like such, you know, it creates such distance and disconnect for so many. So it's always thing that's discussed in the first session because someone will, you know, undoubtedly bring it up as, you know, this, like my partner is always on their phone or my partner like prioritizes their phone use over me or my partner like loves their phone more than me or, you know, is wants to be on the phone more than talk to me. So fobbing, I suppose, is, you know, feeling snubbed by your partner um, because of the, the phone use that they're, they're snubbing you in use of their phone. And Audrey, when did this start to sort of show up in therapy sessions? When was the first moment where somebody said to you, hey, I think he's in a relationship with somebody else and that relationship is his iPhone 11 phone, or 12 yeah. and you went, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is like from the very start. So like um, I started as a couples therapist. God, when is it now? It's like five five or six years ago, 2018, I think. I was doing general therapy before then. But when I kind of started kind of working with couples more and qualifying as sex and relationship therapist, like straight away when I started seeing couples. So I suppose like as soon as the smartphones came out, I, I imagine it started being a problem. Um, and research, I think, has indicated that, you know, when people kind of have this fear of missing out, um, FOMO, that that's often linked to mobile phone dependency and sleep quality and people kind of constantly craving connection to what other people are doing um, and that's a real problem for people because it creates so much anxiety when you know you need to have your phone you need to be checking in with social media you need to see what other people are doing and I suppose it's a real indicator of kind of loss of you know fulfillment in your own life um, but it, it has a massive massive impact on relationships because people are feeling rejected they're feeling lonely you know they're sitting beside their partner on the couch and their partner is looking looking into their phone so they just feel alone so it always comes up as an issue it's interesting because i heard a phrase over the weekend that perfectly sums this up and it was somebody explained that we are currently living in a global attention economy where everybody is fighting for your attention and 
smartphone pr- producers and you know social media companies they're very very good at that what could somebody do um, I suppose to first of all identify that maybe their attention has been drawn away from those in the physical space that they're in um, towards those digital environments definitely look at your phone usage and like how much and how important it is to always have your phone near you and, and how much time you're spending on your phone and um, I know there's apps that can tell you kind of how often you're picking up your phone and how much you're looking at your phone and I always say to couples can you imagine like if you touched your partner as much as you touch your phone how like strong your connection with your partner would be and they're like amazed by this they're like oh my god I never thought of it like that like because you pick up your phone and you're scrolling through your phone and you're looking at your phone so much that if you spent that much time connecting with your partner like just holding their hand or touching them or giving them a hug you'd be all over them all of the time um, so you'd probably be have too people in, uh, for therapy then for other reasons they said you know he, he, I wish he'd pick up his phone occasionally because he'll never leave me alone uh, <laughs> Exactly. So like when, when you kind of explain it in that way, they're like, OK, when you know, when you think about it in that terms. And um, but the only relationships that don't have an issue when it comes to, you know, phone usage is where there's really clear communication and agreement and negotiation around the phone usage. Um, and what I would say to people is, first of all, try to not add any meaning or jump to conclusions about people's phone usage, because you can be deciding that someone is prioritizing their phone usage or you can be deciding that somebody likes their phone more and all of that. And it might not be true because I had a couple very recently and one of them was in a very high intense job in a situation and they never got to check their phone during the day. And one of the things they would do when they would come home is they would sit down and use their phone to decompress. They would have a cup of tea, they would scroll through just to kind of, you know, come back to their own life and like connect with themselves and leave work behind. Whereas the partner was feeling neglected, the partner was feeling rejected. And like when, when they had the conversation, you know, she said, listen, it's not that I'm, you know, neglecting you. It's not, it's actually so I can be more present, you know, when we're making dinner and after I decompress and use the phone to just kind of relax a bit, then I can be more present for you. So it like that's what I'm saying. It really needs to be communicated. There has to be communication around the phone usage because often it's not what people think and it can just be then, okay, you can come home, you can check your phone for, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour, have your cup of tea and then we can we can have our time together. Yeah. And that might be okay as long as it's communicated clearly. Audrey, I'm really embarrassed because because I've just picked up my phone and, and while I was listening to you talk there, I, I, did, I checked. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure whether I should actually share this or not, but I, I'll, I'll share the information. I, I've just gone back to last week because obviously this week has only just started. And when I checked this week, it was saying your average phone usage is 34 minutes a day. And I thought, that's fantastic. And then I go, hang on a minute, it's only Monday. So I scrolled back to last week. Have a guess. Have a guess. They include oh everything, God. socials, the whole lot. Five hours and 19 minutes per day. Now, I'm going to defend myself just a little bit, right? Some of that would be work-related, obviously. Um, But five hours and 19 minutes a day um, is absolutely phenomenal. Now, I would argue that if I gave my wife five hours and 19 minutes of inching per day, she'd be sick of the sight of me. It's a maybe... (laughs) Maybe we just got to get the balance of this right, have we? 
I think you do. I think you need to get the balance. And I do think like one of the one of the things that we do, you know, when couples come in and this is an issue is we sit down and we talk about, OK, what do you need? What does you know, what do you each need and what is OK in around phone use and what's what's not OK? Um, and then they, they make an agreement and a plan around, you know, when we're at the dinner table, when we're when we're, you know, out for a walk, when we're that we leave our phones behind or, you know, and then couples use it to connect like they'll, they'll watch uh, TikTok together in the evening and laugh at funny videos. So it's it's not that I'm like, oh, phones are bad. Get rid of your phone. No, uh, what I'm what I'm saying to couples is, please sit down and just talk about it because you don't want to be adding meaning that's not there. First of all, and mm. jumping into conclusions or assuming and building resentment when there's no need, and then make an agreement about, okay, this is what works for us. And um, and and also, I would check in with yourself because if you're feeling anxious when you're not near your phone or if you're forgetting your phone, there's an actual phobia now. It's called nomophobia. <laughs> that if you don't have your phone with you. There's an actual phobia of forgetting your phone. Uh, um, so if, if you're starting to feel anxious when you don't have your phone or you haven't checked in on social media, I would really, I would really try to get support with that. I'll tell you, you what don't I'll want do. to be living in that kind of... For anybody that's listening, I only know how to do this on an iPhone. I don't know about the other brands, right? If you go into your settings on your phone, very simple, go into settings, about the third or fourth or fifth item down is screen time. Click on screen time. It'll show you a very low number because as I said, it is only Monday morning. But if you click on see all activity and then jump over to last week... And let me know, how much time did you spend on your phone? As I said, I'm holding my hands up five hours and 19 minutes. And that, by the way, is per day. That is not, uh, that's an average phone usage per day. Audrey, I'm sorry that I've shocked you with that this morning. But the thing I would say is that if my wife is listening at home and she checked her phone, I bet it's not that dissimilar. You know, so maybe we are, you know, do you see this one? Have a look at that on YouTube. Have a look at that on TikTok. It is still possible to have some sort of relationship through or with the phone though as well, isn't it? It is, definitely. And you know what, like what you've just done there is a great way to start this conversation. Like if, if couples were to sit down today and say, oh, look, I heard the sound on KCLR, let's check our phone usage. And like, you know, are shocked, like if it's like up into the four or five, six hours and then talk about, okay, how does this impact our relationship? It's a brilliant way to sit down and, and communicate around it and create that agreement so that it's not creating any distance or disconnect in the relationship for sure yeah I think what I do my little tip on it is when I'm scrolling through my phone checking on football scores or flicking through things on TikTok I just occasionally look up and if she's doing the same thing and seems to be giggling away in the corner at whatever she's watching I think I'm okay to go if I look up That's and okay. I see a grumpy or disgruntled face in there I think oh better put that away fairly quick fubbing oh yeah snubbing by but phone but already now it's a problem at that stage if you're getting the eyes and you're getting the it's already so rather than get to the Rather than that, get the point where we get to the eyes, yeah, do check in. Uh, Audrey Casey from Sex Therapy Solutions, sex therapist and always really interesting to talk to. Thank you, as always, for joining us on the show this morning. Five hours and 19 minutes. Yeah, what's your phone usage like? If you can check it, let me know. 083-30696. I promise I won't fubbing shame you. I won't call out your name. Just let me know. Am I average? Or am I above average in a negative sense? KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. KCLR. You're very welcome back to KCLR Live. Now, the Hurling for Cancer Research charity match uh, run annually by your legendary racehorse trainer Jim Bulger and two-time National Hunt champion jockey Davey Russell 
It's raised more than one million euro for the Irish Cancer Society's vital cancer research in the eight-year history of the event. For the first time since its inception, Hurling for Cancer Research will be held away from St. Conlitz Park in Newbridge, instead being held at Netwatch Cullen Park um, at six o'clock this evening. Local clubs playing mini-games, lots going on, family tickets available, um, individual tickets 10 euros or 15 euros for families. We will be up there and uh, joining us in studio studio now to tell us what we can expect from Casey at our scoreline team, Robbie Dowling. Good morning, Robbie. Good morning, Brian. Looking forward to the event? Yeah, it's always a brilliant event and it's even better now that it's come to locality. It's in Netwatch Cullen Park tonight, as you said. It's at six o'clock. Throwing is Brendan Hennessy and Terence Kelly will be on commentary for us. It's always a brilliant night. It's just one of those things where um, you get access to people irrespective of who they are kind of and <clears throat> some of the players that will be there tonight you have um, Brian Cody of course former Kilkenny manager Liam Griffin will be there Sean O'Brien uh, who formerly played for Ireland and Leinster in rugby Paul McGrath probably one of the most iconic Irish soccer legends there ever has been and then loads and loads of uh, hurlers as well you have Jackie Turrell will be there I think Tommy Walsh his sister Grace Walsh Park Walsh will be there so the Walsh clan will be there and then you have loads of Limerick players as well from the uh, four in a row winning team that they have recently produce so it's just one of those things where everybody seems to get behind it they go to Netwatch Cullen Park on the night and it really is a truly special evening one of the players that will be there is TJ Reid and he gave a little insight into what supporters have to expect tonight when he spoke to KCLR over the weekend fantastic um, um, opportunity um, for for kids and parents to meet um, superstars across, across the country um, jo- and jockey players and um, and hurlers as well um, great initiative um, has been great awareness obviously cancer is, is um, heavily affected in every household across Ireland and to get this awareness out there that, that cancer is is a serious disease. Um, it's unbelievable that the work yeah, that goes on behind the, the scenes. It really is great to see such big names committing their time to a great cause. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a Monday, and most of these lads are amateurs. Obviously, they just give up their time for it. It's a truly special and unique event. And as I said, the great thing about it that I think I still kind of struggle to get my head around access to absolutely everybody and anybody I mean there's a lot of these people like to have their private lives and rightfully so but they just go to these things they sign autographs with as many kids and supporters that will be there on the night they take as many photographs as they need to that's not an easy thing to do they all have to get up for work in the morning as well and it's just incredible to see and it goes to show how good a cause it's for and a special shout out to Jim Bulger who actually lives up my own way Brian in my own parish in uh, Muckalee and uh, to Davy Russell as well who are behind all of this and of course the Irish Cancer Society it's brilliant stuff Una Manning is organising it um, they couldn't have been more helpful for us as I said we have live commentary from that game this evening but they are brilliant another player who is playing is Adrian Mullen you heard TJ give the perspective of the fans this is what Adrian Mullen had to say about the players chances of playing tonight it should be a great occasion. Um, I was lucky enough to be involved last year in it, and uh, you know some of the, the players on display um, are, are really great, great players of the, of the game, past and present. Like so, to be involved with them is uh, yes, yeah, special, and you know, special for I suppose spectators looking on as well. You know, you, know, you, you get to see uh, the players in the flesh, and you know, see, see them um, really on display for the supporters. At what point during a match like this do those old heads start to take stuff seriously? I'm sure they'll go from having a bit of crack in the warm-up with the fans and everything else and at some point there'll be a little challenge or somebody will just get something over another person and they'll go oh, heads 
in the game, lads. It's time to get into this a bit more. Yeah, it's a good question, Brian, because I think TJ actually, we had a brilliant interview with TJ on Scoreline over the weekend. Brendan Hennessy caught up with him after the Shamrocks game. It was about 11 or 12 minutes in duration. He gave up so much of his time to chat with Brendan. And he had mentioned that I thought like it was kind of a I've never actually been at one would you believe but I thought it was a bit of a, like a harmless charity game where they all just kind of poked the ball around that's it he actually says they played at 80 or 90% and he went into great detail about why so he said there's going to be five, six, seven thousand people maybe even more at this game tonight if they're going to give up their time to watch us we have to produce a quality product for them otherwise nobody would come and I just thought it was brilliant such a great insight from a player who is renowned as one of the greatest of all time and almost in that sentence you could tell why he's such a great player and why so many of the players that will be taken to the field tonight are so great so it's not going to be 100% hell for later sort of blood and thunder (laughs) stuff in fairness but what it will be is really good it'll be action packed it'll be high quality and it'll be both players given as much as they possibly can get or both sets of players I should say without going too far over the edge and like those exceptional players who take things like this very seriously we're doing the same we're treating it like any other exactly. great curling match and uh, good commentary this evening the whole team going up to enjoy the fun affair yeah it'll be a brilliant night Brendan is on commentary duty along with Terence Kelly it's just one of those things where if you can't get to it do tune in because it'll be if nothing else you could hear about Sean O'Brien putting the ball <laughs> in the top corner or past Nicky Quaid or something mad like that so you might never get the chance again so if you're not at it tonight do make sure to tune into KCLR from 6 o'clock Ray Whelan are kindly sponsoring that game for us Robbie Dowling as always a pleasure talking to you do tune in this evening it's going to be uh, plenty of fun and probably a bit competitive as well Weekday mornings from 10 till 12 This is KCLR Live Yes, you're listening to KCLR Live with Brian Redmond with you until 12 o'clock this morning Coming up between 11 and 12 Kieran Comerford He's Head of Economic Development and Enterprise at the Leo in Carlo uh, announcing an international craft hub exhibition uh, We'll be finding out more about that after the news at 11 and also don't forget Samantha Rawson from the K-Line College and lots more besides But now at 11 o'clock, it's time to go over to the newsroom. Good morning, Donald. Thanks, Donald. Seems like an absolute lifetime ago, but Ireland's rugby dominance continuing at the weekend. Uh, I bet you enjoyed that. <laughs> I did, I suppose. I'm not sure it was the statement Andy Farrell was looking for, because there was a bit of talk in the build-up uh, about how they wanted to make a statement and show they were worth their top ranking in the world. Um, they didn't quite do that, but a uh, win over the English uh, is always welcome. I have to say, I, I didn't watch it. I unfortunately made the wrong sporting choice on, on Saturday. What were you watching? <laughs> I watched Manchester United versus Tottenham. I... I <laughs> I think I'm turning into one of those supporters of a mid-table team who's perennially um, more excited about the season to come than things actually transpire to be. Because after the first game, I was like talking to all my negative friends who'd say things like, oh, it wasn't great. Don't worry, lads. We're three points better off than we were after the first game last season. Things are on the up. And um, after two games, we're still only three points better off than we were at the first game last season. And how's the optimism holding up? I am ever the optimist. I am ever the optimist because we have obviously signed a very expensive young striker who hasn't gotten into the team yet due to injury. And of course, the world is going to change as soon as he arrives. He's only like 19, 20 years of age. Scored nine goals. Nine goals! In the Italian league last season. He's going to make all the difference. Yep. (laughs) 
<laughs> we shall remain to see. Uh, Donald, it's always a pleasure talking Thank to you. you. It is at five past 11. It's KCLR Live. KCLR Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. You're very welcome back. Text and WhatsApp lines open 083 306 9696. Uh, our phone line, as always, should you want to give us a call, is 1890. 9696 and Etna is on the email it's or Live at kclor96fm.com coming up in a few moments time Samantha Rawson from the Canine College will be joining me in studio but before all that Kieran Comerford he's the Head of Economic Development and Enterprise at the local Enterprise Office in Carlow and he's joining me this morning to announce an international exhibition uh, coming to the exchange in Carlow Kieran, you're very welcome along to the show this morning Thanks a million, thanks a million. Nice, thanks for having me on. It's brilliant to have you on. Talk to me, the Craft Hub International Exhibition. It's the official launch at the Visual in Carlo. Um, that's happening, uh, I think, tomorrow evening at 6.45. But what will the Craft Hub bring to Carlo? Yeah, so Craft Hub is a European-funded project, and it's ourselves and nine partners. We were awarded 1.5 million euros two and a half years ago, and, two, and for the last two and a half years, we've been going on a journey of creating content to do with creativity and craft. So what's exhibited in visual is fantastic works from across the partners across Europe, and also a number of things about the methodology and learning, because it's really about telling a story of craft across Europe and the various skills based in the country. So uh, the exhibition actually started in Italy in June, and then travelled to Germany and Greece and Portugal and now it's arriving in Ireland. It'll go on from Ireland to Wales, Wales, Oslo, where we finish up there in November and we're leads of the project as well. So, as I said, it's a fantastic showcase. It's only in visual for two weeks so we'd encourage people to come along and everyone's welcome to the launch tomorrow night by our mayor at quarter seven in visual. And when people do go along, because I'm sure they will in their droves, um, what will they actually physically see? Yeah, so it's a combination of physical and digital content. So there's um, there's international there's eleven international showcase pieces which travel uh, with the exhibition, and then there's a selection of local and um, international showcase pieces as well. So the first part of the exhibition is all around you know uh, craft and creativity at, at its highest standard across Europe. The next part is digital content, and that's everything from tutorial content to other things and pieces that people might be interested in. So for example, Glenn Lucas as part of the project. He produced a video, How to Make a Wooden Bowl, which obviously he's really well known for. And in one week, 47,000 people across the planet watched that video. Uh, so some of that content will be available there. Like, you know, so as I said, we've developed hundreds of those pieces of content as part of the project. And the final thing is, I suppose, the story of the project itself. So there was a number of residencies. There was two in Ireland, uh, one with Nicola Brown, one with Glenn Lucas. But there was a number of residencies. So we'll have some of the works and some of the stories there. So there's something for everybody. There's something for people who are purely interested in craft or some people who are interested and creativity and some people are interested in the business of it and it's international content as well so it's not well there's a lot of Irish content in it as well the international content there travels as well and we have some fantastic partners in this project in the international space I mean and I wonder how many of those 47,000 people that watched the video on uh, making a wooden bowl thought Hmm. This is actually harder than it looks. You know, the craft industry around um, Kilkenny and Carlow, it's absolutely fantastic. It's its thriving. And, you know, these people are very artistic, but also hugely skilled. 
Yeah, no, and I suppose they firstly take their inspiration from the environment. So whether they're from the south of the county or whether from uh, further afield, like it, like you know, they generally take inspiration from place and the people around them. And then there has to be an ecosystem there. And I think both Carl Kilkenny has that creative ecosystem. And you know, I think what's really interesting is I've seen it over time. You see someone start, and they might be a hobbyist, and next thing they realise, well, actually, no, I'm really good at this, and people want to buy it, and people want to showcase it, and people want to know the story behind it. And to see how that work evolves over time, and obviously our colleagues in design across Council of Ireland do wonderful work as well from Kilkenny as well. So, like, but it's it's all about that transition. And I think that's what's great about these international projects. It's about bringing people together because everyone in the creative sector, like no other, like every other business, it's all about a journey. But the thing about the journey at the end of them is, it's a product. It's a product that's very passionate to them. So it's not something generally you mass produce hundreds and thousands of. It's something that's really unique to them that they want people to treasure. So it's something special so while you can buy jewelry in lots of places like a craft maker making jewelry tells a story about that piece of craft and you associate with a person so it's a real personal thing about seeing it but it's also a personal thing about the people who are making it and launching as you said tomorrow evening the 22nd of august at 6 45 uh, the mayor of carlo municipal district councillor tom o'neill will be there and um, is the launch itself open to members of the public if they wanted to go along or do they have to absolutely wait? absolutely no absolutely 6 45 tomorrow doors will open in visual and um, people are more than welcome to come along and as i said the show itself is there for two weeks but everyone's welcome tomorrow night so drop along if you have any interest in craft is my advice so drop along if you can make it to the opening tomorrow night but if you can't don't panic the show is there for two weeks um, a simple question is there any fee for admission if people did want to go along no no it's free of charge to attend the ex- exhibition so. ok excellent well listen Kieran, great best of luck with the launch uh, tomorrow evening and uh, and congratulations on bringing such a such a well established international craft hub um, exhibition uh, to Carlo if you do want to check that out all the information is available on the usual websites Craft Hub International Exhibition official launch individual in Carlo tomorrow evening it is 11 minutes past 11 this morning and uh, time to do this it's a dog's life with Samantha Rawson. Good morning, Samantha. How are you keeping uh, this fine Monday morning, the 21st of August? I'm very happy, Brian. It's sunny and it's dry and it feels a little bit like summer. Oh, it feels a little bit like summer, but I mean, that sort of very neatly ties into the theme this morning because uh, it is close to back to school and mm. as always we talk back to school we talk about it in many ways we talk about the cost implications getting kids ready the uniforms the lunches but it's also going to be a huge change of routine for our canine friends yes. because they've been used to the madness for yeah. eight, 12 weeks now of yes. little Johnny is home to keep me entertained <laughs> when big Johnny is busy up in his yes. office working away uh, how can that sort of change affect you know, the dogs in our life. Well, well, I suppose the back to school day is going to be traumatic for everybody. And and research has shown that Mondays is usually the most traumatic day for a dog in, in normal routine, you know, because dogs have had their owners for the weekend. So Monday is usually a traumatic day, but now the dogs have had the kids around for the last eight weeks or so. So so the day that the kids go back to school, whether that be a Monday or a Wednesday or a Thursday, is going to be fairly traumatic. Mm. So we've got a few days. We don't really have a whole lot of time, but we do have a few days. So now is the time to maybe start getting the dog used to being, you know, in another room by itself or not being with the children as much 
you know, that, that maybe the dog isn't in the middle of everything or that the children aren't out in the garden with the dog or playing, you know, watching TV or whatever. To try and get the dog used to not being in the centre of things for the next couple of days. Because the reality is he's probably going to be in the kitchen on his own for a couple of hours or in the garden or whatever. Um, so maybe get them used to that now. Um, sometimes as well, you know, dogs go off to doggy daycare and maybe they haven't been to doggy daycare because, you know, people have been at home during the summer. So if they do go to doggy daycare, maybe again, get them back to it now. OK. You know, for a couple of days a week or whatever. Um, so it's all about putting in the change of routine before it actually happens. So you give the dog a chance to acclimatise to the new situation. OK, talk to me about the env- a good environment to keep to to give to a dog I won't say to keep a dog in a good environment to give to a dog you know when we get back to the point next week whereby the children are off to school for those four or five six hours a day and maybe maybe everybody's out of work or maybe there's somebody Mm. trying to work in an office upstairs it depends on obviously the size Mm. of the dog and what they're used to but what are the two or three or four key elements that the dog needs immediately in its own environment to be able to look after itself for those few hours well I suppose um, my thing is always routine So, so my kind of routine with my own dogs is exercise fed bed <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that's my mantra exercise fed bed so so I wouldn't expect a dog to settle unless it's been exercised then I give it a bit of food because food is a sedative and you know when you've had a run around and then you, you you eat you want to sleep so the dog is then receptive to being relaxed and sleeping I wouldn't expect a dog to be receptive to be relaxed and possibly sleeping or just chilling out if it's full of energy yeah. so when you get up in the morning that dog has been sleeping all night you need to give it some chance to get rid of its energy before then you go to work or you've got to go upstairs to your office or whatever um, so to even play ball with it if some Somebody says, listen, I'm trying to get three kids out of school. Do you think I have time to walk the, the dog? No. But I mean, maybe this time of year, you know, we all go back with good intentions. And I mean, it'll be exactly the same in our house as every other house in Kilkenny yeah. and Carlo. You know, that first Monday where they're all back in school, the lunches will be immaculate. They'll all look like a new <laughs> pin going out the door, right? It'll all be gone by the second week by of the, October, yeah, for yeah. sure, absolutely. Or by the Friday, <laughs> by the end of the week. But I mean, if pop. you are living close enough to the school and you've yeah. got good I'm going to yeah. walk in the morning I'm going to get yeah. the kids going maybe I might, would it be an idea to maybe bring the dog with you on the walk to drop the kids off so when you get back home yeah, it would have had that little yeah, bit of exercise exactly yeah if the dog is sociable and is okay with that however just be very careful that you know I would always be mindful if a load of children want to come over and pet the dog so if the dog is, is sociable and mindful I, I was at uh, in Steeg yesterday I was out at the uh, Keeper Lit Festival and there were lots of lovely dogs out there and a f- lovely family event. And they were all really, really chilled, th- those dogs. I was really impressed with them. So if your dog is of a chilled, laid back nature and is used to loads of kids, yes, then great. Bring the dog to school because, you know, a 10, 15 minute walk there and back, that would be ideal. Then maybe give him a bit of food and let him relax in the kitchen or wherever he relaxes. Yeah. The other point is I never expect a dog to relax in an area if they never see people relax in that area. So sometimes I've seen families where they never eat in the kitchen. They always eat in the living room or wherever. I thought you were going to tell me to sleep in the dog's <laughs> bed every now and then. Just <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, but that's where I go yeah. to have a snooze. But I wouldn't expect a dog to be alone in a kitchen and relax if they never see the family relax <laughs> yeah, in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? The, the dog will only relax where it's 
has a history of relaxing or where it sees the family relaxing. So keep that in mind. Would uh, sleeping in the dog's bed occasionally <laughs> make the bed dog No, really? no, Brian, no, I wouldn't be into that. No, <laughs> right, okay. no that, that, that could send out an awful lot of mixed messages. Yeah. <laughs> too, <laughs> um, many, too many people, not just a dog. <laughs> right, we're going off on another little rabbit hole. <laughs> um, but baby gates are really, really good for separation of dogs and people and dogs and children. And the reason why I love baby gates is because it doesn't socially exclude the dog. The dog is still part of the family. So it's like, hiya, hi Fred, whatever. He can still see you. He can still kind of have access, but he can't follow you around the place. It's it's very hard for a dog to accept being separated from you yeah. if you allow them to follow you everywhere. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, so, that obviously makes sense. Yeah. You know, so. And that's what people do. And then suddenly they go, oh no, I've got to go to work or whatever. And they suddenly separate the dog. So I love baby gates for that reason. I think baby gates are, are brilliant uh, inventions for dogs and children. And we know how adaptable dogs are. I mean, you know, they're yeah. probably one of the most trainable animals that we know yeah. of. But how quickly could they adapt to this new yeah. norm of being back in school but in September? They, they'll adapt within a couple of weeks. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you know, I would kind of give dogs three days to settle into a new routine or a new environment. So so if they can kind of accept a new routine within three or four days, they, they will accept the new routine of the kids going back to school in, in a week or so. So I wouldn't overthink it. Do you know what I mean? The dog the dog will be actually fine. So get them back into routine. Do it fairly yeah. soon and you should all be good. As always, um, if you are thinking about getting a dog, we're encouraging people to foster. Yeah. Yeah. We, we kind of spoke a couple of weeks ago about the, the rescues being inundated and they still are. Um, we really do have a terrible welfare issue in this country. One thing that came up um, on the news a couple of weeks ago or last week was about that the government have decided that people who um, crop ears um, or mutilate a dog for aesthetic reasons it is now um, a prosecutable offence yeah I mean this was everywhere and yeah. rightfully so yeah. um, but to be honest with you Brian that's that's not the important issue you know what I mean why, why are we bringing in legislation about the mutilation of dogs yes it is an important issue but we're still producing puppies from puppy farms so I'm sorry I think they have their priorities wrong and I think it's a little bit of PR stuff to go oh look look what we're doing isn't it great yes it is great but I'm sorry much bigger issue to address yeah yeah I mean we talked about that big issue we've talked about it previously but I know it is the big issue which yeah. you said but just staying on the ears thing for a mm. second um, are these the ears that, that you I always remember seeing I think it was what you'd call a Doberman pincher. Yeah, Doberman, Looks like yeah. a skinny a skinny yeah, yeah. Rottweiler basically. Yeah, yeah. And it's got these fabulously pointed yeah, ears at the top of it. Is that that's not they natural. They don't have do- pointy ears. Dobies have flappy ears. Right. Um and and it comes from America like all these things do. Um it comes from America where they would mutilate the ears, make them look pointy so to give the dog the illusion of being aggressive. So okay. it's, you know, like like dogs have, they look more alert if their ears are pointy. Yeah, when, when they pick up your yeah. ears, that's yeah. got that sort of, oh, there's something going on. Yeah, so so it's, it's, it's to physically change the physical appearance of the dog. But having said that, also in America, they debark dogs and they take the, out cat's claws because in America, de-barked, they debark dogs. That like an operation yeah. of vocal yeah. cords. Yeah, they take out their vocal cords to silence them. So... The thing about America is... That's even worse. It's a culture of, I don't like it. That's their culture. Mm. You know what I mean? If I don't like it, let's change it. And I'm sorry. And is it that common here? No, but that's where all these things come from. So when they're talking about, you know, bringing in legislation for the prosecution of people who mutilate animals, this is where... And I presume, I mean, I presume it's not vets. It's it's not like going to get boob implants, for example. You can't go to your doctor and say, I'd like these to look a little bit different. Can we get get me referrals? I suppose that's the whole point, that it's not a veterinary procedure. So it's been done in backyards. So it's mutilation. Do you know what I mean? It, it is mutilation. It's physical mutilation of a dog. Um, and, and years ago, they, they um, banned tail cropping. 
So I suppose ears are the next the next thing. I mean, it's now illegal to, to crop a dog's tail because, again, it wasn't being done under veterinary care. It was being done by the breeders. Um, and, and dogs are obviously going through an awful lot of pain and suffering. Yeah. So it's to it's to improve the welfare of the dog and to make sure they're not going through pain and suffering. And it's it's to, you know, really kind of improve our welfare of dogs. But I think we really need to talk about puppy farming if we're going to talk about welfare. Yeah. It's great and it's good news and I welcome it. But I think we've got much bigger fish to fry. Okay. Um, talking about uh, fish to fry, something that is coming up quite soon. Electric, oh, picnic. electric picnic. Yeah. I mean, like great festival. Yeah. It's going to be packed. But I was surprised to see that uh, the ISPCA are looking for people to volunteer. Yeah. Why would you need... Yeah, it's, great, it's a great idea. Their, do, do people bring their dogs? No, no, it's just the ISPCA um, are looking for volunteers. Oh, okay. So, so it's, it's a great way to, way to get the young people on board and say, oh, look, I... we'll give you free access to electric picnic. Okay, so I get you. So yeah. if you want, if you haven't got a ticket, didn't they, yeah. this is brilliant. Right. I mean, I do it myself, to be honest. I, I, maybe me. <laughs> She's got the qualifications. I can do the donkey work. Yeah. Will you let us in for the weekend <laughs> if we go along? Yeah. I thought when I read this story, that it was the ISPCA were looking for people to volunteer I, mean, I thought maybe people bring their dogs and put it into doggy daycare at the ISPCA yeah, yeah. while well, they're going off to the gig no, right? no it's to it's to it's to volunteer at the electric picnic for the ISPCA and it's a way of the ISPCA getting more volunteers into into their establishments and I well. presume if people were to go and check out the ISPCA's website yeah, or social media yeah. pages they could say Samantha Rawson said yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I heard it on KCLR Samantha Rawson said you're looking for volunteers there you go I yeah. had somebody actually answer me over the weekend because people think I have some sort of connection or power within these type of events say so, Brian any chance do you know anybody who might have yeah. a couple of weekend passes for electric picnic and I was like no. Not a chance. But yeah. if you are willing to do a little bit yeah. of work and soak up the atmosphere, go and do some volunteering, and, and you'll get a little band. Yeah, you get a little. <laughs> get a little band with little free band. access. See, she brings us more than just good doggy <laughs> advice. You can also get us into every gig in the country. Absolutely. Samantha Rawson is always a pleasure uh, from the Canine College, and we will talk more about that uh, that puppy farm. That's probably a bigger debate, and maybe one that we could organise with some of the powers that be would, at some That would point be great. I'd love to have a head-to-head with the powers that oh, be. I'm sure you would. I want that referee in that one. Um, <laughs> 23 minutes past 11 o'clock. You're listening to KCLR Live this morning. We'll be right back with you uh, in just a couple of moments' time. It's a dog's life with Samantha Rawson. Lots more to come. Do keep those messages coming in. I'd hedge towards WhatsApp. The text messages seem to be a bit ropey this morning. It is Monday. We'll give them a little bit of leeway. 083 306 9696. Let us know if you've got anything to tell us on WhatsApp. And more importantly, I'll come back with another list of that mystery sound. So do keep that number nearby. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. KCLR. 25 past 11. We'll be going live to Tralee in a couple of moments' time to catch up with Molly Coogan and to check in with Gaelic of Carlow County Council down there, representing the people of Carlow, supporting the Carlow Rose Creeved Earring, um, of course, as we go into the live TV shows. But before we do that, I wanted to give you one more go to try and win some money. The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR with thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hearts Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit laharts.ie. So do get the entry. Stick to WhatsApp for the moment. I'd hate to miss one that might come in on the text line. 083 306 9696 is the dinners ready. Normally text and WhatsApp line number, but you can still use it to get in contact with us on WhatsApp. Here is the sound. 
Yeah, it's a difficult one. It's only one second long. It's worth 200 euros this week. I think I might have to try and uh, twist the arm of the that be, particularly at the quirk out there, who's also in possession of a slightly longer version of that clue. Maybe I can get her to give us the longer one tomorrow. But for now, it's the short one. Have a listen. Let me know what it is. 200 euros of a Monday morning. That'd be good news. The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hearts Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahearts.ie. Now, it's the moment of truth. The Rose of Tralee Festival goes from the festival being for those who are on site in Tralee to being for the whole of a nation. And it's also the moment of truth for us here on KCLR Live because on Friday morning, we spoke to Molly Coogan, who's the current Kilkenny Rose, as she prepared to head down to support and enjoy all of this year's roses. We're about to speak to her live. Has she got any voice left after the weekend's celebrations? Let's find out. Molly Coogan, good morning. (laughs) Good morning, Brian. Yay! My voice is still going strong. She's sounding mm-hmm. in great form. She's got the voice working. How was the weekend? Fantastic. If you could see me, it's another story, but I still have the voice at least. <laughs> I came down on Friday. Friday afternoon, we had a nice relaxed night, met a lot of the class of 2022. So many people are down for back from Australia, from Canada, from all over the world. Then Saturday evening, we had a big reunion in the Netherlands. And then last night, we were in the Rose Hotel. Oh. for a little soiree. And as the show kicked off this morning, we heard all those packages. So you've been busy all weekend, working away, speaking to all of those people. But did you actually manage to get, uh, I was going to say enjoy yourself. Of course you've enjoyed yourself, but you know what I mean? Was <laughs> there much partying going on over the weekend? There was a good bit, I'd say, in the evenings. So the day has been quite chill and we got a chance to meet some of the roses, enjoy the festivities, everything going on in Chile. And then we've been partying in the evenings, I suppose you could say, a mixture of both. Now listen, I want you to give us an exclusive. Um, it's it's kept behind uh, very closed doors and under wraps until the very last moment. We've two live TV shows. We've two presenters this year in Dahi O'Shea and Catherine Thomas. Uh, but when will our own Carla Royals be appearing on TVs? Is it tonight? Is it tomorrow night? Do we know where in the running order she's going to be? We've just found out. So we know that she's going to be on tomorrow night, Tuesday night, so the final night, and that she's going to be interviewed by Catherine Thomas. So oh, well, that Carlo makes Lady. sense, really, doesn't yeah. it? Um, and it does. what about the running order? The running order, I don't actually know. They keep that one very close to their chest, but maybe I might know by tomorrow. Mm, well, I've heard um, a little rumour that she might be quite early on. I think she's second in the running order oh. tomorrow night. So, oh, um, fantastic. Uh, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, in your experience, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of conspiracy theories going amongst the roses. <laughs> oh, you don't want to be first. You don't want to be last. You don't want to be in the middle. Where, what, whereabouts in I the know. running order do you think is a good spot to go? The rumour does kind of be that they like to start strong, so I'd say that's a very good sign for Kuiva, and that they like to finish strong. And then I know there's the break for the news, so around the news is a big big one as well. I was at the very end on Tuesday night last year, which also means you have to wait for all of Monday night, all of Tuesday night, and you're getting more nervous, I suppose. Yeah. So it's good, it's nice if she's on first, then she can relax and enjoy the rest of the evening. Okay, well, that's she's very, very early. We think it's second. Um, and we're also hoping um, to speak to Catherine Thomas tomorrow as well, if we can get hold of her. I'm sure she'll be very, very busy for the next couple of days. But tomorrow morning, her daughter, herself, and Dahi, will have everything sorted out and they'll be well into the swing of it. But you did actually manage to get a chance to catch up with Quiva, didn't you? I did. So I caught up with Quiva this morning, just over breakfast. They have a mad busy schedule, but she sat down to chat to me 
um, just to, before the day of, of festivities. I actually just very briefly met Catherine this morning and Dahi as well. They were just heading out when I was heading into the Netherlands. So they're all set to go as well. All, all set to go. Well, let's hear what Creva had to say when she spoke to Molly Coogan this morning over breakfast. Hey, Molly. First of all, it's great to see you again. Um, nice to see a familiar face. Tuesday night, I think I'm very happy for Tuesday night. Uh, a lot of my family and friends had got tickets for both nights, but I think the majority had them for Tuesday night. It's um, my cousin Sarah's 21st tomorrow, so happy birthday, Sarah. Happy early birthday. Um, so it'd be nice for that buzz to be about tomorrow as well with her. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm happy that I'm on tomorrow evening. I get to watch this evening and see the girls this evening. So, yeah. Lovely. Do you know yet if you're going to be interviewed by Dahi or Catherine? I know I think they're alternating. Yeah, so they are alternating and I am being interviewed by Catherine. So. Oh, Carlo, two Carlo women on the stage. <laughs> yeah, so I'm delighted with that. Obviously, Dari or Catherine would have been ideal, but it's nice to have the, the Carlo connection there with Catherine. Oh, brilliant stuff. And you arrived down in Tralee, so you did your whole tour, yeah. arrived in Tralee on Friday. Can you give us a quick rundown of what has mm-hmm. happened in Tralee? We're Monday morning now, you've been here since Friday. What's it been like? Well, first of all, it feels like we've been here for a month now. It's like every day... You can't remember what you did in the morning by the evening time. Um, so we arrived in Tralee on Friday, straight to the Meadowlands. Uh, we met our escorts for the second time, but officially our, our own escorts for the year. Had dinner that evening, parade then Saturday evening, which was amazing. It was probably one of the, the best highlights out of the whole thing. Sunday then was yesterday, and we... What did we even do yesterday? See, I can't in my head. It comes a blur. The pub twinning would have been... Was it yesterday? Yeah, so our pub twinning yesterday. That's, yeah, exactly. Our pub twinning was yesterday evening um, and it was great to see all my sport from Carlo. I thought that was fabulous, Molly. I mean, your voice sounds absolutely crisp, clear and immaculately smooth (laughs) and you can hear how busy Creva has been. Um, She doesn't even know what day of the week it is. Can you remember and sort of, uh, you know, connect with those sort of thoughts by the time it gets to this stage of the week? Absolutely. And like, you're getting up so early in the morning, she's going to bed so late at night, go, go on all the time. You're kind of whisked from place to place. When we were on tour as well, you wouldn't even be sure like what county you were in on the step <laughs> that stage. So I think she's doing so well. She sounds so lovely. She's so excited and you can really get that from her. And everyone from Carlo seems so excited. Well, talking about Carlo, everybody from Carlo is down there. Um, so, well, everybody from Carlo is obviously not down there, but Andrea Dalton, <laughs> who's the Carlo, Cahirlock of Carlo County Council, is down there to represent everybody. Good morning to you, Andrea. Is this your first Rose Festival? It is indeed. Good morning, Brian, and good morning, Molly. It is indeed my first uh, Rose Festival now. I've been to, we go on our holidays, or we used to, when we were children, go on our holidays just past uh, Tralee, but I mean, we used to always see the dome, but this is my first time travelling, uh, especially uh, for the Rose Festival uh, to support our, our beautiful Quiva. And have you had a chance to meet Quiva and the family since you've been down there? We've heard how busy she is. Yeah. Yeah, we've been I've been with the family because Quiva is actually my sister in law's niece, so I know Quiva since she was born and the Sarah she mentions who's twenty one tomorrow is my niece Sarah Dalton. So um, and she'd be Quiva's first cousin. So we've been with Quiva now. We get to see Quiva we saw her at the at the two parades and we saw her at the um uh, pub twinning yesterday, but as Molly mentioned, it's actually really relentless. It's nearly an endurance test for the poor roses because every single minute of their day is planned. Uh, there's people coming up to them looking for autographs and photos, and kiddies going around with little autograph books. But um, she's representing Carlo really well. She's a beautiful girl inside and out, um, and she's a great ambassador for Carlo. She's from Rathfilly, as you know, but her mum would be from Carlo Town, and. 
she's she's very privileged position I suppose to have her four grandparents down with her as well um, Willie and Sheila O'Rourke from Carlow Town and Paddy and Claire Deering from Rathfilly and a huge support from both Carlow and Rathfilly and, 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 and County Carlow as well down to support her That's nice I mean it's a fabulous event for the family I mean to represent uh, the county um, in the Rose Festival it's a huge huge thing and to have the grandparents and everything else along um, it, it, they must be getting I'm sure they'll be emotional tomorrow evening when she actually does take to the stage and of course we know now that she's going to be interviewed by Catherine Thomas Yeah it's great when we, once we got confirmation for that because you know it's on both nights and the tickets are quite expensive so we had kind of hedged our bets and, and bought the tickets for the, the for the Tuesday night Oh I'm sure the here look of Carlow County Council managed to get some inside information from somewhere <laughs> Well, I'm here really in a personal capacity, so I was I had no inside information, but we were lucky that the dice fell our way. Um, her grandparents had tickets for both the nights, but the rest of us had bought the tickets for the Tuesday night, so all has, has come good in, in that regard. Um, so, yeah, I, I heard she was forced to be interviewed, but you said uh, second there, so it must be at the, uh, the front end. We actually yeah. thought maybe she wouldn't be interviewed by Catherine because she was from Carlo, but we're delighted. I believe Car- uh, Dahi has Carlo connections as well. I think he, he taught in Carlo for a little while. Oh, well, listen, Dahi is one of them characters. No matter what county in the country you manage, <laughs> Dahi O'Shea would find manage to find sums. He's a, he's a bit like Marty Morrissey in that regard. They've got these oh, connections to every county. But I need to ask one I'm question. Are the support team uh, for Quiva ready to go? And by that, what I mean, you know the moment where they go, next up on stage, representing Carlo, it's Quiva Deering, and you all have to stand up and hold up your banners and everything. Have you got all the banners ready to go? We surely have, and I tell you, I think we're, we're already winning as the best supporters down here. We've uh, featured nearly in every every photo or every reel that goes by because, as you know, the Carlo the Carlo colours are the best colours in the in the country. They're so colourful, um, so we're out we're out in forces. And you mentioned people being emotional. Uh, the family and that <laughs> burst into tears every every now and again, uh, from our auntie Olivia to all our cousins. They were all bawling when she was passing by in the parades. They're all so incredibly proud of her. They're a very close family and they're so delighted and proud for Quiva because she's a wonderful young lady and, and what you see is what you get. The Quiva you will see on stage um, on Tuesday night will be the Quiva that we all know and we all love and we're so lucky to have someone as natural and as beautiful as her representing Carlo but you be you can be really assured that the Carlo uh, supporting contingency will also be very noticeable and we're also very all very natural and very very supportive and we will stand out in the crowd well, um, on Monday and Tuesday night Andrea Dalton Kierlock as you said not in your official capacity but I will give you your title you, you, you deserve it Kierlock of Carlo County Council uh, joining us there we all all really do look forward to meeting her on stage tomorrow evening and uh, rightly the family sounding so proud thanks for joining us and uh, hopefully we'll have uh, a rose from Carlo to celebrate later on in the week Molly Coogan also joining us live from Tralee this morning uh, Molly um, lots ahead for the day but uh, we, I'm sure we'll be checking in with you again at some point over the next 24-48 hours oh yeah definitely keep you posted keep us posted you're sounding fine keep it that way thanks Molly Coogan reporting live from Tralee it's 22 minutes to 12 o'clock um, text and WhatsApp's both working fine 083 306 9696 if you wanted to get any guesses in on that 
mystery sound. Um, coming up after the break, I'll be talking to a really interesting individual. Enda O'Doherty is in studio telling us why, in 2016, he carried a washing machine up Schlievenamon and uh, how he's managed to turn it into a TED Talk. Um, eight life lessons from a washing machine. He also climbed Kilimanjaro. I wonder if he brought any white goods with him when he did that. We'll be finding out in just a few moments' time. KCL or Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. You're welcome back to KCLR Live. It's 20 minutes to 12 o'clock uh, on a Monday morning, trying to keep the weekend vibes going. Everybody I've spoken to so far this morning uh, seems to have had a really nice, really positive weekend. And um, if we could give away this 200 euros, but thanks to the people of the hearts, we'll try and make it even more positive. I will try and give you one last little listen to that mystery sound before we're off air. But I'll also... I'm going to try and get the powers to be to give us that longer clue for tomorrow, so do stay tuned. Now, I'm joined in studio by Enda O'Doherty. Enda is a motivational speaker, and we were talking, back in 2016, I could see clips of him carrying white goods up Schlievenamon, but he also climbed Kilimanjaro. Enda, you're very welcome to the show. You didn't bring any white goods with you up Kilimanjaro, did you? Uh, yeah, I did. I brought my washing machine with me, and it's. And for, let's cut straight to the chase. It's still in the shed at home. I can't get rid of it. It's years later, but it's like it's like an old friend. We can't. Oh, do that it. that's something that you have to keep. You can't get rid of that. Yeah, I can't get rid of it. Yeah. So what happened was, um, in in my own past life, I'm an alcoholic. I've experienced extreme depression, anxiety disorder, and. Um, thankfully I'm sober now 15 years but I promised myself when I got strong and healthy and fit that I was going to help other people from that darkness and so myself and my friends and my family came up this idea to raise funds for mental health charities and it was to carry a washing machine so we why a washing machine I mean we get into the more serious stuff no, at the moment great, but, it's a great but question I, I, everyone I, asks what the hell are you doing like, I, I can see how carrying something you know would just enhance the challenge and, and make it even more but why a washing machine okay to be totally honest number one it was a media hook and look I'm in studio with you years later so it still works it did its job it did its work I did an interview for the Tokyo Times and the Dubai Times <laughs> but the mad Irishman and his washing machine so it worked the other side of it was to say to people like this week in Ireland eight young people will lose their lives to suicide and those people were carrying a load that was hidden nobody saw it yeah. you know you get that awful phone call or text message did you hear the terrible news Right? I never knew that's I never, the, the, never, never realised yeah so like for me the washing machine is the most stupid load you could carry around. It's unbelievably awkward, square, and it hurts like hell. It's heavy. Mm. And my simple mental health message was, look, if particularly if you're a young man, if you're under pressure, even if you're listening to the show this morning and you're carrying a hidden load that no one else can see, geez, put it down, ask for help, talk to someone. It could save your life. I suppose the second message was, you know, in when I was at my worst, when I was like really struggling, I was drinking four bottles of whiskey a week. I was extremely suicidal. I was extremely depressed. And if you met me, I'm exactly the same as I am today. Big smile on my face, Mr. Happy, Mr. Motivator, beautiful wife, gorgeous kids. I had everything, Brian. But there's one thing I really had none of, and that was happiness. Um, my book came out during lockdown. Um, it's called I'm Fine. It's the perfect radio book for radio, a cover of a book for radio because the title was I'm fine but the picture on the front is me screaming yeah. inside that I had a look at it this morning I mean I saw, I saw the cover of the books on your website I mean yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was where, and I, I guess you were probably going to go that way with it but that's it was such a juxtaposition in that one cover do on want, the book do you want the truth of the cover go on have a look on the back there's me being president of Obama you know I'm looking out <laughs> into the distance over the lawns of the White House that's what I wanted yeah. photographer took four hours I'm getting hungry I'm getting cranky I'm starving 
Um, <laughs> I said to Dave, morning, Dave O'Sullivan, if you're listening, I said, uh, Dave, come on, will you? He said, look, we have to do two more setups. And I went, ah, jeez, I'm and starving. He and he went, click. Yeah, and they're went, great like that. And he said, they? that's it. And I went, no, 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 no that's not it. I, yeah. He said, it's the perfect position. He said, what you said and what you It's felt. a real Irishism, isn't it? I mean, my my grandfather, God rest him, um, when I was, we're not talking about the same level of struggle at all, and I don't want to make the comparisons, but tonsillitis and my grandfather was you know retired and at yeah. home and I used to be lying on this little kid you know how are you doing today he says to me and I say oh, I'm grand yeah. it's just where does that come from that ingrained fear of actually being open well I, we were actually going to call the book I'm grand but then because it was been sold in America and the UK I'm grand in England means I'm quite posh I have a large yeah, house and yeah. some ponies <laughs> so we didn't want to call it I'm grand and uh, so I'm fine sort of was universal I don't know I think like you know, people associate, I think for a long time, and we associate masculinity with strength, physical strength and with emotional strength. You never show weakness, you never cry, you never say if you're in trouble, you know, mm. and that's what's been wrong with the country. You know, that if like, like when I was broken at my worst, I said, I'm fine. And I knew How did you feel? Like, OK, so I think it's when we get an opportunity like this, which are, which are relatively rare in life for, for two I hope you don't mind saying this, balding, slightly middle-aged men who <laughs> both like to think that we look big and strong. Yeah. To sit down and have a discussion about mental health, men's mental health yeah. in particular, but yet to do it with thousands and thousands of people across Kilkenny and uh, Carlo listening in. Yeah. Why? Why were you afraid to say anything other than I'm fine. I think it's because I grew up in the 80s. I think I grew up in an Ireland where you hid everything. Like, I was in an all-boys school but there was nobody gay. Nobody. No. Because it was hidden. You know, and there were terrible things going on in society that were hidden. Uh, we pushed everything under the counter, everything, you know, brushed under the mat, never discussed problems or never discussed change in society. I think I was probably a product of that. Um, but I, I, I'm really aware that, you know, happiness is not an accident anymore it's something I actively pursue every day and you know the washing machine makes people laugh like the first time someone sees me I remember walking through Kilkenny with my washing machine in my back and people are like mother of God what are you doing I get the usual you out for a long spin or a short spin <laughs> are you money laundering I get all that but when I tell people you know it's, it's, a, it's a positive mental health message asking people to reach out and look for help if they're in trouble it resonates with people and you know one of the best anyone I'm sure you've had loads of guests on who've had mental health crisis one of the best therapies that I've ever had is helping other people you know like sometimes people have me nearly beatified Brian they're like Saint Enda because I've raised this money or I'm yeah. talking about my alcoholism or, but like, and then I say something highly inappropriate or tell the filthiest joke and I can see people going jeez I didn't think he'd ever say that yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean he suffers with mental health surely he can't be up for having a bit of crack yeah, I mean. but, but it's, it's about for me helping other people is a great way of helping me and that's why I went through the rigorous application for TED, like did the, wrote the script, put in my idea, did an interview, did my auditions and eventually found myself on, on the stage of TEDx Rat Oath. And um, they liked the title, Eight Life Lessons from a Washing Machine. Mm. And, uh, you know, at the very start, I, look, people can find the link I know on your socials or if they, they if you go to YouTube and, and look, put in eight life lessons from a washing machine, I promise you there aren't very many. Other no, I know. I just, I just want to give people a bit of an insight into into TED and TEDx and TED Talks, yeah. because some people out there might not know. Um, it, it's a bit of a global phenomenon in its own right. Just tell people what TED actually is. So at its core, it's it's a series of presentations or talks, but it's it's ideas to make a change in society to make a positive change. And they, they cover everything from Every, global absolutely. issues to, to environmental everything. issues to... 
absolutely everything but the idea is that it's going to help our fellow man that was the idea um, they particularly liked and without spoiling for people they can go and watch it but at the start I walked out on stage and you know if you've seen TED Talks anyone who likes them you know there's this famous red spot and yeah. people walk out and they do I'd like to share with you five reasons why geese are crucial to the future. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. So I, di- I didn't want to do that. That's not me. I did the Irish version. So I walked out on stage. I intentionally tripped. I went face first into the red spot, <laughs> face planted, bang, hit the ground. And I you're good at the old getting little gimmicks to yeah, create attention. Yeah. So I, 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 I looked up and the first thing I said was there are very few things in life that I know for a fact but one is that everyone, you and I, at some stage in life, will hit the ground hard. And when you hit the ground hard, there's only two things that matter. Your ability to rise back to your feet and who's there to love you, who cares. They're the only two things that matter. Mm. And I think I got them in the first 10 seconds. You know, people, people have been so kind. The amount of emails and texts and phone calls and people have said to me, wow, that, that, that was so different. You know, what you spoke about and... It was obvious that it was me. It was my heart, my soul. You know, what you don't see in the video is like I came off stage, I sat down, I proper cried for 10 minutes. Did you? No, I mean, St. Bernard bubble snot crying. You yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. Boo-boo. yeah. It was everything I had. Your turnabout, okay, you mentioned um, those two things that you've got in life. And before we went on air, you mentioned your wife. She said she's here sitting listening downstairs in the car yeah how much of the turnabout came because of Enda and how much of it became because of the support that you had from obviously hugely supportive family members I'm going to be really honest with you because it's so funny we were listening to the car about that lovely lady you had on talking about dogs and you know all the advice for dogs and my wife looked at me and she said that's the same as a husband she gave the same <laughs> advice right and the, the ironic thing is you did, we didn't script this you just asked me that yeah. but I, I'd love to tell you I woke up in a wheelie bin or you know you know people often talk about rock bottom my my turnaround was you know my Friday night was a pint glass of vodka with cough syrup I was comfortably four bottles of whiskey a week maybe 15 20 pints on top of that right but one morning I woke up and I felt well, because with alcohol you don't get a good night's sleep and I said to my wife that's it I'm done and uh, I'm never drinking again. And she used that tone of voice that only people in relationships can hear. You know, that high pitch whistle a dog could hear. My yeah. wife said, are you love? And I knew she meant not in a million years, could you? So I, I, yeah. I love a challenge. The theme through this point, someone said to me, I bet you couldn't carry a washing machine to the top of the highest freestanding mountain in the world, Kilimanjaro. And I went, watch me. I bet you I could. I bet you I could. She probably knew that though. She probably knew that challenge and how it with you. We're talking to Enda Doherty, motivational speaker, about, well, as he said, said himself, we're talking about carrying washing machines up really high <laughs> mountains, but it's got nothing to do with that really at all. We're going to take a very short break. And are you okay to stay with us for another oh, few I'd minutes to continue it, this conversation? Uh, you're listening to Casey. A lot of texts and WhatsApps are open. And of course, if you're being affected by anything that Enda and I are talking about this morning, don't forget Casey or have a huge page of helpline numbers. Um, you can just go and visit Casey or 96fm.com forward slash help and you'll find a, a whole range of numbers. Do stay with us. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. Carlo Kilkenny KCLR. You welcome back. I'm talking to Enda O'Doherty, motivational speaker. Um, I hope you recovered alcoholic. How would you sort of use that terminology? I am an alcoholic, and I will be okay. forever. Yeah. That's, the funny thing is, people say people are always morbidly curious, like how long are you sober? And I'm like November 10th at 10 o'clock. It'll be 16 years. But it's it sounds like a bad country and western song. But anyone who's, <laughs> anyone who's living with addiction knows will understand that I'm just sober today. Could I also ask you to do something else as sure. well that we didn't do, and it was probably quite rude of us. We 
never one. mentioned your wife's name. My wife is Maeve. A book is called I'm Fine and somebody messaged me recently and said you shouldn't have called the book I'm Fine. You should have said it's all about Maeve because yeah. she's my muse, my strength, my passion. She's the reason I was on that red spot. She killed me after the TED talk because I put a picture of her in it and didn't tell her I was going to use it. And <laughs> she, she she wasn't too pleased. She was sitting in the theatre with 400 people. <laughs> and she pops on the screen. But one of the lessons I had, it was eight life lessons. One of the lessons was, you know, if you want to achieve something in life, the more the powerful your why is, you'll find a way of doing it. You know, mm. and like, she what was your why? I mean, I've heard that said before. The, you've got to find the why, whether yeah. it's you know something relatively small like trying to, you know, maybe get out for a walk in the evenings or something massive like this. Yeah, it has to come from the why. What was your why? For Ted or for getting sober or? Um, well, let's do both. So, so let's say getting sober first of all. I mean, you woke up that morning and you said, "That's it, I'm done." Absolutely. I'm guessing it wasn't just because you felt you had a bit of a headache that morning because no. you probably had heads on you many, many times. No, never really had a hangover. Which is, you know, I, I my my son is in Germany. He rang me this morning. He's sick as a small hospital. He's 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 craving curry chips at nine o'clock in the so morning. So, what was the wife for giving up drink? The why was, I suppose, partly to prove her wrong, but I suppose if I honestly look inside myself is I knew this was going to take my life. Honestly, this was going to be the end of me. And it's, you know, I remember saying to my wife, why didn't you ask me to stop? And she said, if I asked you to stop drinking, you'd have stopped for a week, a month, a year, because that would have been for me. She said, but when it was for you, it was for life. You know, that's where you find your why, you know. And what was the why for taking it? And what would have been obviously a hugely personal experience um, and putting it on stage, for example, and you know, I know you're moving into this sphere full time now. Yeah, what yeah. was the why for, for for taking a personal experience and making it public? I suppose the thing about the why with with mental health is it literally will save someone's life. Like someone, I guarantee you, it's a, it's a huge responsibility that you and I have. Someone listening to this this morning right now is in hell, mm. and they can't see a way out. And I'd love if someone went to Eight Life Lessons from Washing Machine, played it, and went, you know what? That guy can escape. That guy turned his life around. I could do it. Or I love the idea. You know, when I get a message from someone who's a brother or sister or mom or dad or someone who's in a bad way and they've come to hear me speak or they've shared a talk and you get that email from someone saying, six months ago I heard you and Jesus' life has changed a lot since. You know, that that ability, like what makes us human is our humanity, our ability to lift other people. You know, like you work with words every single day the power of that microphone to change someone's life for the better you know to lift someone to change like it, when it's when it's in local radio to change an entire community with yeah. words it's so powerful it's it is something it, that i'm aware of um and i'm always aware of people like you whether it's on topics like this or you know we've often done it with with people who deal with women for example struggling to get out of domestic violence situations i always ask them this question and i'm going to do the same with you We've got a couple of minutes left on air. What would you say to anybody who at home struggling today? The number number one thing is get help. You know, there are so many good people around you. There, if you don't have it in your own family, school, reach out and get help. That's the first thing. The second thing is, if you want anything to change in life, the fundamental thing you need to do is take action. You know, like if you're sitting on the couch and go, "God, my jeans are getting a bit tight." Every time you think it's happened, it, it happened to all of us, <laughs> get up and walk, do something. You know, if you're thinking, "God, you know what? I'm so broke." Like try and do something about it. Take actions, and I think that's that's where a lot of people go wrong. Is they if you if you're in a mental health crisis or if you're struggling and you're waiting for things to improve, it doesn't always happen. You know, like find out what your triggers are, find out what causes your anxiety, what's causing your depression. But uh, do how do I get past that point? I'm sitting at home, I'm listening to you, I'm saying, yeah, but things are excuse the language, C R A P, things yeah. are S H one T. I'm not you. 
Yeah. No, you're not me. And like the thing is, like you don't have to get a washing machine and run up Kilimanjaro. Like somebody's Kilimanjaro can be literally walking two k. Someone's Kilimanjaro could be filling out their CV today. Someone's Kilimanjaro could be going into your boss and saying, "Look, this job is causing me huge stress. I need to change. I need to do something different." Kilimanjaro, your Kilimanjaro could be make apologizing or making up to someone you've fallen out with. Like we all face challenges in life. Do you know? Do you know what twenty eight twenty eight thousand is, Brian? Do I know what 28,000 is? Mm, it's one of my favourite numbers. It's in my TED Talk. Okay. Uh, it's the average number of days you're going to live, or I'm going to live. Days, 28,000. Yeah. And one of the things I'm really strong on saying to people is, look, squeeze the juice, the joy out of life. Life does not last very long. You know? Yeah. Um, it's really important that we, that we contribute, that we do as much as we can, that we're as positive as we can, because that clock is ticking. I mean, you're, I'm 55 next week. I swear to God, I can barely hear you with the ticking in my ear right now. That <laughs> clock is getting longer. And I, I, I thought I'd grow old gracefully. I had this idea that, you know, myself and my wife would grow old together. And um, I'm sure you will. Well, you see, I woke up the morning after my 50th and my hair fell out, my teeth fell out, my knees fell off, my prostate fell out. The whole <laughs> the whole shooting shebang happened. I just, in I just got my calculator. I've already been alive for about 17,000. There you go. There you go. But it's, 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 and it's not to be negative, but like it's not to be morbid. It's to be positive. It's to say to people, do something today. Yeah. You know, like it's it, a huge, huge conversation. I mean, I, I, I could spend two hours talking to you. It just, you know, we've, we've unfortunately got other stuff to talk about as well. All obviously due the, the right amount of time. But maybe that TED Talk, that, that, is it an eight minute TED Talk? It's 12. It's 12. You have, to, you have to stick to the script and it's yeah. time. So if people want to find it, if you go to YouTube and you put in uh, eight life lessons from washing machine or if you just Google TEDx Rathoth in Mies, that's where the event you was. You find it there. And you've got your own website now as well. You've got endodoherty.ie um, and, and I always speak, someone, sometimes some people say to me, have you got a business card? And I go, look, if you just Google Irish man and washing machine, you'll find yeah. it. <laughs> it's so it's, unique it really is card. some business card to have. Uh, endodoherty, motivational speaker, um, Congratulations on everything. Thank you. Uh, congratulations on getting up off that red spot, both physically and metaphorically. Um, and uh, may you continue to, to motivate other people to, 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 you know, find their own Kilimanjaro, as you said, and um, make sure you don't necessarily have to do it with, with a washing machine, but whatever it is you're carrying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Ryan, thank you so much for having me on. It's, I've been on the station a few times, and I just say, particularly with relation to local radio, it's fantastic that you tackle issues like this and that you talk... Uh, and as a community that we're looking out for each other, not just personal level, but the fact that the station, you know, doesn't pay lip service to what regularly speaks about suicide and mental health. It's really, really important. And thank you to you and thank you to Edna for no, having me on. Our pleasure and our responsibility. And as I said, Enda Odardi, thank you very much for joining us. You can find out all about Enda, as you said, just search for Madman Washing Machine in Ireland and you'll find him. Um, but obviously he's got his own website and everything else as well. And most importantly, if you are listening this morning and you do feel you need any help or support, do check out kclr96fm.com forward slash um, help. Uh, thanks to all of you for staying with us this morning. Thanks to the whole team here in studio for helping put the show together. Thanks to Etna, as always, for organising such fantastic guests and uh, keeping the show on the road. Um, it's just coming up at 12 o'clock. John Keane is up after 12, and I'll be back with you tomorrow morning from 10. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets, and a state of the art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie.